Tarzan. Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of the online magazine and deeper into the stories. I'm your host, Michael Shields, and today I have a great episode for you, and that's because I have a great guest on the podcast, one I've been looking forward to having on the uh, show for a while now. His name is Mike Fenoya. He's a stand-up comedian based out of New York, and he's also the host of the music and comedy podcast, Amigos. That is um, on the Osiris Network as well. It's fantastic. Check it out. Uh, Always hilarious, always fun, always compelling. Mike is also a writer and producer for the Impractical Jokers on True TV, very popular show. Um, He's heavily involved with them. He tours around with the Impractical Jokers as well. And recently, Mike and I worked on a project uh, called Still Chasing that um, we talk about a bunch in this episode. What Still Chasing is, it's... uh, it's a podcast series hosted by me and Mike, and it delves passionately into um, compelling phenomenons and grossing art that delight and entice admirers to the point of unmitigated obsession. So yeah, it's about obsession. It's about fanaticism. And in this season, which all episodes are available now, uh, we focus in on to a shared obsession we have, and that's with the band Fish. And we kind of break it down, uh, all the reasons why why we did get obsessed and, and why we are to this day, um, both of us around 25 years later from when that uh, obsession took hold. So in the beginning of this episode, we, we look back at the series after after we brought it to life and, and talk about it a bunch and, you know, dissect the obsession a little bit more. But then we really dig into Mike's career. And that's what this episode is about um, from his earliest days of uh, comedy where it's it's fascinating Uh a pretty bad breakup in his life and a, a broken collarbone kind of helped set forth his comedy career, which is fascinating. And then, you know, we walk all the way through to uh, him recently taking the stage at Radio City Music Hall. So he's had an exciting uh, trajectory to his career. Um, he's hilarious. He's so much fun. I think you're really, really going to enjoy this interview with him. Before we get going, just uh, a reminder that we are part of the Osiris Media Group. Osiris has a couple of initiatives that they're proud to uh to back and, and I'm super proud to spread the word about as well. The first is called Dance Safe. At Osiris, we know that many of our listeners are making out to live music shows all the time, and we love that. We want to help you connect with the artists and music you love so those live experiences feel even more meaningful. We want to make sure music fans stay safe when they're out there having fun. The unregulated sale and use of substances is common at many live music events, and unfortunately, so is drug misrepresentation. We are proud to partner with DanceSafe to raise awareness about this danger. DanceSafe is a nonprofit organization that provides unadulterated screening service, as well as peer-based education, to help support people in making informed decisions about their health and safety. DanceSafe prevents harm from consumption of misidentified substances for thousands of people every year. When you're out there seeing your favorite artists, dance like nobody's watching, but dance safe because your life may depend on it. To donate or learn more, visit dancesafe.org. 
and look out for their booth at the next music festival. I'm sure you can see how that is incredibly important. The other um, uh, partnership here is with the uh, Mockingbird Foundation. Did you know that music can accelerate child brain development and strengthen intellectual, emotional, and motor skills as well as overall literacy? Bringing music into the classroom can help kids explore the mind-body connection and become comfortable with self-expression. Sadly, many children's music programs are lacking in the resources they need to let kids explore this creative space. That's why Osiris is happy to partner with the Mockingbird Foundation. Founded in 1996, the Mockingbird Foundation is a volunteer-run nonprofit organization dedicated to improving access to music education for America's youth. Each year, the foundation awards grants to dozens of music education programs and and funds those grants through a combination of fundraising, publishing, and the curation of Fish.net, one of the earliest internet fan communities. Mockingbird is entirely volunteer, with no staff, no salaries, and no office. So every dollar really does make a difference in providing children's music programs with staffing, instruments, and support they need. To donate or learn more, visit mbird.org. That's M-B-I-R-D.org. That's the Mockingbird Foundation. Such a worthy cause. All right, here it is. Here is my interview with comedian Mike Fenoya. Mike, thank you for being on the program, man. I've been looking forward to this. I love you, Mike. I love you too. This is um, this is great. I feel like we're back at it behind, uh, behind the mics together. Talking. I know. I missed this. I did. I, I missed did. this. It was one of the special parts about um, that we're obviously talking about the Still Chasing uh, project. Me and Mike worked on that. I talked about in the intro, but um, we did get to get together and yeah. just like really get into it and, and, and work and it was fun and thank you for that. Of course, dude. You know yeah. what's great is so many people have uh, reached out and said like there was chemistry right off the bat that they heard. Yeah. I think it was because in setting out to do this thing, it was like I wanted to do it. I set out to do it on my own, which I think is like a fault of my character where like I just don't trust anyone. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to care about anything I'm doing as much as I do. Yep. And then I mentioned it to you and you're like, yeah, dude, like, let's do this. And yeah. I was like, oh, that would be amazing. And I don't get my hopes up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then it was like, right away, we were both like, head on. Oh, we had the whiteboard out right away. Dude, we were, we isn't were, it we nice graphic. to see it clean? <laughs> it's, 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 the whiteboard it's, it's is nice. clean. It's nice. We're, we're in Mike's apartment right now. And this is I where, have a this vision board that's got no vision on it right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, so let's, uh, let's talk about it. So you, it was your baby initially. And well, it was in, and you really wanted to tell this story or the many stories that are involved in still chasing. And what, what, what made you want to do that? Well, I was fascinated with, I'm, I'm fin- I am still yeah. heavily fascinated by fanatical people, sure. obsessed fans of anything. Yeah. It doesn't matter what. I am too. And it's just, I think it goes back to the word passion. passion. I love passionate I'm people. I'm a very passionate yeah. person and you are too. And it's like, I, I think passion finds passion yep. and I have a hard time with apathy. Anything that's the opposite of apathy, I'm into. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're into playing chess heavily, yep. I would totally enjoy talking to you about chess because I want to learn about it. Yeah. I have my quote unquote chess. Sure. It may not be that game, yep. but I want to 
know the sacrifices you've made. What is it that gets you off? Exactly. I'm fascinated by yeah. that. And so that was one thing. That's part one. The second thing is that I had this interview with Kesey that I didn't really know what to do with. And at the Comedy Cellar one night, I was talking to Mark Marin, who is one of my heroes yeah, as I far as podcasting it's, and yeah. interviewing. And he finds a way to get right to the beginning of things. Yep. And in an hour, summate someone's entire life. Sure, and, absolutely. Get, I, get some deep spaces, yeah, too. Yeah, totally. And I was sitting there talking with him, and I mentioned to him, you know, because maybe subtly, because I just want to be on his show, but maybe trying to throw it out there into the universe. Mm. I was just like, hey, you know, it's cool. I, I ended up, through following Fish, I got to meet Ken Kesey, and I have his final interview, and I don't spend, know what spend, I've done with it. Spend a week with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, just, that's chapter five of Still Chasing, which I, and, is remarkable, which, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think really came out great. Yeah. I think that, you know, so let me finish the Marin thing quick. Please. What happened was, like, I talked to him about it, and he's like, holy shit, man. He's like, that's really cool. And I'm like, yeah, it's, I don't know what to do with it. And he goes, we well, got to do something with it for sure. And he, we said our goodbyes. He walked away and then came back. And he looked at me and he's like, you really got to do something with that. And just for, for that dude with everything going on in yeah. his head, to, for it to have that, that big of an impact, that That's was awesome. Like, that was almost kind of like the push in the yeah. direction of like, you got to love. Do- he was like unsure that he, his message got across. He's yeah. like, I wait, wait, I got to go back. He's like, you really got to really do something. got to do something. And that's that. when I was kind of like, yeah, I do. Yeah. And I was approaching 40 mm-hmm. and I was thinking about, you know, how do I talk about Keezy? How do I talk about, and I, I focused too hard on that part, which is what tripped me up. I think that backing away and I think with writing and with all types of stuff in life lately, I'm noticing that, like, instead of peeling back layers of the onion and trying to get to the pit, why don't, like, just explore the layers that are there instead of being in a rush to dig through them. Yeah. So, like, I kept putting layers back on the onion, so to speak, to kind of be like, well, why did I interview Keezy? Why was it important to me? How, what led me there? And it all went back to obsession and passion. Yep. So it's like, what about doing a passion project about passion yeah. and in, including in it the experience with Keezy? It doesn't have to be the centerpiece of the whole project. It just is an enormous chunk of, of it. And that's how it ended up working out Especially great. since it was that passion that led to that experience you were giving. It was what we talk about it a lot, the gifts that you were giving um, through this obsession, and that that was a big one for you, and, and yeah, man. you know you took to full advantage, which is incredible. One of the th- I can't get over that fact that that happened. It's just Funny, really incredible. I was just looking through, I was just looking through a bunch. I have two folders of writing that I that from college that I'm gonna I'm going on the road for a week. I'm gonna bring it with me and go through it yeah. and see if there's any meat on any of those bones. But I found a piece of paper with a note from Keezy, and it's just weird that like. I don't know. It's his handwriting, and it's an old, shaky handwriting, and it's just him leaving a note for me to go to that concert at uh, Horning's Hideout. String cheese, was and it's like, yeah, he's like, here, give this guy my tickets. And I'm like, Jesus, wow. I just found it, and I'm like, man. But you know what it is? The, I think one of the lines that was most important to me in the Still Chasing thing was something you said when I was talking about being in the parking lot at Darien Lake, and... Keezy, but you go, that's awesome that that's the people that you were awestruck yeah. by. 
was Keezy. Like that your, was your big... hero was a counterculture, you know, yeah. crazy Mary prankster author. You know, that yeah, was, that was your that was your guys. You know, when you said that to yeah. me when we were recording, I almost kind of had to like, I had to like stop myself from like diving deep into that and thinking about that. But I've thought about it constantly since yeah. you said it. That like, that is true. Mm-hmm. That it's the the Kerouac and Keezy yeah. and um, you know that that like writer. Mm-hmm. Leading to other writers down the down the pike that yeah. I ended up finding and loving, but these, I mean, just those two guys in particular, absolutely, it's super telling too. I mean, it just shows. I mean, you're obviously someone, uh, you know, the huge open mind who's always trying to explore and learn new things, and and you know, having those type of uh, role models at, weird, at right? that age, it's weird, but it's also incredible. I mean, it's better than. You know, chasing around Bo Jackson and stuff like that. Bodo no acid. <laughs> Bodo no L. No, but um, what I always thought was fascinating was, um, you know, you were trying to piece this whole thing together as you just described, but also just like the idea of how you start a project. It's the empty page. That's what you were dealing with. with right. It was the empty page. And, and you kind of came to grips with, well, not to grips, I mean, a light bulb went off, went on. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you learned how to um, start this. And I love the way it starts. And you were in, uh, you were in Vegas, right? I was in Vegas. Yeah. I was doing a week of uh, comedy. At, and to pull the curtain back, I mean, this thing wasn't recorded chronologically. We went back and recorded. I did a lot of interviews before being in Vegas. And I had no idea how to begin the project. I had the interviews. I knew who I wanted to interview. And I got them probably six or seven interviews done before Vegas. And then I did about six or seven more in Vegas. Just all notable people within the fish community, people involved in the band. Yeah. Friends, uh, my, my brother, like a lot of shit that never made it on. And it was, I'm sitting there trying to figure out like that blank page thing. How do we start this? And I'm waiting in the Rio hotel in line at, Starbucks to get a coffee and all of a sudden a Star Trek convention just like unfurls like I watched people set up a table and put out the uh, registration forms and stuff and all of a sudden there's everybody's is is coming and registering and there's people dressed in costumes and there's subtle people with a tie and a pin and and I'm like, what the fuck? You know, like, and it was awesome. Yeah. And I'm watching all this happen. So you're seeing another, uh, you know, group of fanatics that you can immediately relate to. Yeah. And it was, really... and it was funny because that was when the light bulb clicked where it's like, oh yeah, we're all freaks. Yeah. We all we have, all, we all have our things. And it's like, we, I always knew that, but you know how like when you're just like one step from having like the perfect stance in the batter's box yeah. to like hit that curveball, yeah. like I was just always kind of like you know, whatever, maybe a little top heavy with my swing or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I tried my best to like, think about how this thing, like what it means to us yeah, and what it means to other people mm-hmm. and what their thing means to them. And I had a million notes and a bunch of tickets to upcoming shows, but it was that convention that yeah. really was like, Oh yeah, no, totally. Like this is it. And then, and then I became this weird Hunter Thompson-y type like observer <laughs> yeah. where I was like watching people watch the the Star Trek fans yeah. and I'm like, oh yeah, they're judging them. Just they're like calling we them judged. weirdos yeah. and losers yeah. just like we're being judged yeah. and just how anybody who's passionate about anything is always judged yeah. by people who are scared to... Who don't you know, understand, the apathetic, who aren't asking the questions. Which, unfortunately, is the majority. Yeah, I believe you know? so, too. So I wanted to go ahead and play that prologue. It's such a... Um, 
for anyone interested in getting into still chasing, this gives you an idea of how it begins and, and just the parallels drawn between two obsessions. Captain's Log, Tuesday, July 30th, 2019. I'm at the Rio in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm here doing a week of shows at the Comedy Cellar. That's what I do for a living. I'm a stand-up comedian and a producer for the TV show Impractical Jokers. It's an interesting week to be here. There's a Star Trek convention happening, and the freaks are out in droves. From coast to coast, diehard fans have gathered to show off their new intergalactic tattoos, spend their hard-earned money on rare memorabilia, and sport their bootleg secret language t-shirts that emulate everyday brand name logos with a pun that refers to the mythology they subscribe to. It's a vacation from the mundane. The humdrum everyday life that affords them this blissful respite is back home in wherever USA. And for a few days in the steamy Nevada sun, it's time to be a kid again. The melting pot has been stirred. Political stances don't matter, neither to socioeconomic status, sexual preference, or any of the divisive elements of modern human life that force us to pick a side and stay divided. Not this week. This week, it's about the Trekkies being together as one, sharing stories and moments that bring them close together. Small groups begin to subcongregate all around the resort. You could tell who was here for the conference by their purple and green lanyard and laminated badge, but the alien makeup sort of gives it away first. Even the subtle businessman checking into the event with a skip in his step gets a nod from another fan when he notices a Starship Enterprise tie pin. He's in. He's here with his people. I'm watching a middle-aged Midwestern couple with matching Spock ears mingle with a slutty androgynous Captain Kirk speaking a language they uh, only understand and laughing with a familiarity like they've known each other forever. Meanwhile, fat regulars wander by in their vacation gear, roly-poly beer-bellied men in board shorts and their Salt Life t-shirts, their gross feet and flip-flops, complete with a bottle opener in the heel glaring out of their sides of their eyes at the gaggle of freaks, amused but annoyed by the colorful carnival appearing before them. What's up with these weirdos? These weirdos are a part of a counterculture, a community of like-minded individuals who are chasing moments provided by their muse, a TV show that first aired in 1966. They are part of the collective that gets off on this thing. We all get off on a thing. This happens to be theirs. There's some normals walking around who are bashing them. These same normals who bash these diehards for dressing up in outfits that they spent hours hand-making would step over their own sick grandmother to catch the latest episode of The Walking Dead or a fantasy football draft. But if they don't accept it, it's lame and a waste of time. Me? I'm not a Trekkie. I never got into any of the TV-based galactic vehicles. I choose to visit space via live music particularly the music of Fish and the Grateful Dead. So I totally understand and appreciate this gathering of chasers. Those scared to hear in the next newsletter that some once-in-a-lifetime experience occurred at the 2019 Vegas Summit, a moment that will never happen again. And after all this time invested, they missed it. I completely understand how they feel. I feel a sense of camaraderie with this conference. As I wait in line for a coffee, I begin to think about my dedication to the band Fish and how every show I miss hurts in a way I can't really put into words. But those who get it, get it, and I don't have to put it into words. 
I chased the moments, and I have chased their moments for over half my life, and I don't regret a single day or dollar spent. It hit me that two years ago today, Fish was eight shows deep into their now legendary 13-night residency at Madison Square Garden called The Baker's Dozen, providing yet another unmissable experience that provided fans with 13 individual nights based on donut flavors that set the theme for the music of that evening. What band does that? Tonight was Jimmy's. And that only matters if you get it, which is fine. And we'll get into all that later. I wanted to tap the Trekkie in front of me on the shoulder and let him know that I got it. I understood the whole thing because my favorite band makes me do things like this and how we have parody t-shirts that only we understand too and that we have a mythological world as well called Gamehenge written by the guitarist for his senior thesis at. But I decided to keep it to myself and just enjoy the sights. I completely get this way of thinking, and it's eerily synchronistic that this event is happening right now in Vegas while I'm here working on this project. I was hung up on how to start, and as if the god of the geeks sensed my pain, he sent a convention to my feet to clear my mental blockage. Allow me to explain. I have been a geek for the band Fish since 1994, my sophomore year in high school. Already a disciple of the mystic Grateful Dead, my friends and I collected and traded live concert recordings, our version's baseball cards. One of these friends, Dave V, asked me as I handed him some new Dead tapes, Hey, have you heard the band Fish yet? If you like the Dead, you'll love them. He handed me the band's New Year's Eve show from 1993, a crystal clear FM quality copy. You have to remember, this was before iTunes, so all live recordings were done on tape. Maxell XL2s. This moment would change my life. I hit play, and the energetic sonic boom that came out of my stereo had me jumping and dancing and flipping out like never before. I needed to hear more. I needed to know everything about this band. I had spent my childhood feverishly studying my dad's and my uncle's record collections, and music has always been a medicine for my anxiety, an instant friend in moments of self-doubt and incessant mind chatter. But nothing ever felt like it was mine. That was my dad's music, and that was my uncle's music. From moment one, Fish was my music, and I was on board for whatever adventure they had in store for me. And boy, did they have some in store for me. The next quarter of a century has been spent listening, learning, missing, traveling, exploring, sacrificing, and enjoying the moments this band has provided me. And I just can't seem to stop. I'm creeping up on 40 years old, and since I was a teenager, there have been two constants in my life, anxiety and fish. I feel like I have grown up with this music as a friend, a companion that I could turn to at any time life got to be a bit too much. Even now, in my late 30s, I lean on fish in important ways. I travel incessantly as a comic, spending weeks like this one alone in a hotel, away from friends and family. But at any time, any day, I could turn to my old buddy, put on my headphones, close my eyes, and escape. And I'm home again, smiling and ripping air guitar under the lights with 15,000 of my best friends. So, I decided to take a look back on why I follow this music. And I've decided to talk to some other members of my community and friends about the moments I've chased and continue to chase. And what follows is a small example of a dedicated fan 
one who is proud to be still chasing. say that that part is one of the only parts that was like fleshed out and written i sat down and i wrote that Mm -hmm. and i don't even remember writing it that that you not that to me was like i just like i got a coffee i put on music and i just like wrote everything i was seeing and doing and it was like a very like flow i'm happy with the way that that came out yeah it was great it was a pleasure working with you and also one of the things i you know, I was, I was so excited just because, I mean, it's so fun to talk about something I love so dearly. And I've just had information building up in my brain for 20 years about something I love. It's great to put it to use. But, I mean, I feel like I've been explaining or trying to explain this obsession to whether family or friends for decades. And it was nice to sit down and do it in a heady, organized way with a like mind. Um, yeah, and totally. And just really, really break it down. And the reaction from a lot of people has been pretty touching to me. I mean, I, I, yeah. I sent a text to you, probably the lengthiest text I've sent in a long time. <laughs> I'm not um, like that. But uh, it was someone who's a big Ween fan, likes the band Ween, and she does not like fish. And she's one of the most hardcore Ween fans out there. Cool. And she dove in just because she enjoys the God Ween Evan podcast that I produce, and, and she knows me, and she's just like, I'm going to listen to Mike's new project. And she was like, she's like, that was incredible. And she's, it did not change her mind about how she feels about the band Fish. And, Perfect. And, but, but she was just like, you know what? Um, I'm actually, I want to reach out to my parents and try to talk to them again. Like, I just, I've been going about it the right, wrong way. I've been looking at my addiction to Ween as a problem instead of looking at, she's like, all my friends, like, I think her husband comes from Ween. You know, like, everything sure. her life has been given, has been, you know, made so much better just because she was, she couldn't help herself but going to Ween shows. And she's like, this made me think and accept it. And I was just like, that is incredible. Now that's that, dope, man. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that's the thing that, you know, we don't work for fish. <laughs> this was definitely not the thing that, that that's beautiful. And, and I think one of the things that made me very happy was these strangers were sending me like mess DMS and stuff going like, dude, thank you for that. I, I'm reliving my childhood. That to me was yeah. really exciting. This, we always knew that nostalgia would come into play and that we hope that people would be like, you know, just when we were talking about it, memories were coming back. And I know when people were listening to the same thing, but on a, that, that deeper level about obsession, um, I feel like when you're younger and you're in high school or whatever, those things that you grab onto, the, those differences, those that, that you want them to define you, yeah. but they, see, they, they kind of create, um, you know, borders between people. They, they create walls because yeah. they're so different. But I think it's the other way now when I look at it. And those things, when you really examine uh, just the passions that we all have, whether they're different, they show us how we're more alike, actually, yeah. than more different. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if if you look at it, you know, uh, what's it? once in a while you get shown the light. In the strangest If you places. look at it right. Yep. But that's the thing. It's like, if, it's all how you look at it. Because, like, some people will look at the, that Star Trek convention and be like, ugh. Yeah. Who would do that? Purple paint on your face and 116 degree <laughs> yep. heat, and who wants to travel with a you know lizard tail or whatever the fuck? But then you look at fish fans, and it's like, where does that kid with dreads go when tours over? Mm-hmm. Like, who hires him? Yep. So it's very interesting to think about how like it's all relative, and it's all it just shows that. And in a, I mean this in the most loving way, but none of this matters. Yeah. 
That's yeah. what I mean. Like in, in a way of like, just accept yourself because none of it matters yep. at all. Yeah. And that's the thing that's really beautiful about it. And the thing that I love the most about Still Chasing is that we said we were going to do it and we did it and it's done. Yeah. yeah. And as an adult <laughs> that still <laughs> lives like a child, it's nice to like, we did our homework and we, we set a date. Mm-hmm. It was great to work with you because you work on such more of like a, pragmatic i would say approach to things Mm. i hope that's the right word i'll take you're very methodical Mm -hmm. and i'm not i'm kind of more of like you know i appreciate and i apologize (laughs) for (laughs) any like craziness that i bring but for me it's like i get so worked up with thoughts that i end up like getting overwhelmed and i just want to go to sleep yeah you know what i mean like it's a a, (laughs) definitely you know it's it's hard to sometimes strategize and categorize and we had you know we hit the the fucking yep. the playbook pretty hard yeah. and tried to rearrange it. I think when all is said and done, it really is something that we can be for the first project working together. Mm-hmm. We had to go with a topic that we both knew, yeah. and it was it came out really really dope. I agree, and it definitely it it it, it felt like a gift in the way that now I'm almost looking. Um, you know, as we were alluding to, I am looking at people in their obsession and things in a, in, in a, in a more of an open uh, minded way. Sure. And I was always open to that. I've loved freaks. I'm the, you know, the, it's, I almost, I think you mentioned it earlier with the apathy thing. I, I kind of don't really have a time not to be rude or anything for people who don't have like this intoxicating spirit or, or who are different in some yeah, ways. Man, That's kind like, of, even I've, I, I've always had a thing for the oddballs. Yeah. Even when I was creatives. dating, when I was, when I wasn't married and I was dating and I'd go on a, like a blind date with a girl or whatever. And I'd be, my first question would be like, what music do you like? Yeah. And if I got the like, oh, I kind of like everything, like whatever's on the radio. <laughs> I was just like, I know that this, this isn't is, going to work. This isn't going to work. Yeah, if exactly. you told me I fucking love, love country music. Mm-hmm. I hate country music, but if I hear it, that uh, you know, if, if I maybe if I sit and listen to what you're, you know, yeah, you I don't explain, you know what I mean. Explain, but absolutely, it's like, yeah. but it's almost nice. Like, well, what do you love? Like, I would yeah, love, to, I would I'll love to, to learn. With wow, you. Yeah. yeah, definitely show me, show me the way. Yeah. I've learned a lot of amazing things by asking that question about something I thought I didn't like or just didn't like, and just yeah. like, yeah, that's up my mind. I also think sometimes passion is tiring. So it's nice when you can be around other passionate people to take the wheel sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you're always the one driving. Definitely. It's like, ugh, like you're not, you're just a, you're just a <laughs> What are you rider. listening to, Mike? What are you listening to? Why don't, can you, can someone <laughs> tell me? Can someone me? play something for Some, me, man? Absolutely. You know, but that's the thing. Like it's cool to get like a text every now and then that's like, yeah, check this weird band mm-hmm. out or do whatever. And that to me is like when you realize, because, you know, as an adult and nowadays especially, you spend a lot of time alone. Yeah. So it really is like both of our fields do that too. Oh, I was man. thinking about that today. It was a point midway through the day. I'm like, I haven't seen another human being in like <laughs> know, a day dude. and a half. I know. <laughs> like, I and I've been in touch with many, many people, and, and just kind of on the phone or you know uh, through the old internet. But I was like, man, it's all too <laughs> I, common. I can't wait to walk out that door. It's all too common. Yeah, and more I think... increasingly so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, chapter seven of. Still chasing, uh, which is available everywhere. I'm sure I mentioned that already. But he um, is uh, is we dig into kind of what our obsession, how it affected us in the the inspiration ways, and uh, how it inspired us, how it inspired our work. And you're a comedian, and I want to get into, and we talk about that a lot in chapter seven. Sure, but I want to get into it here. Okay, and, um, I'm going to start. Uh, now and then, and then I'm going to push it way back. But you just played Radio City Music Hall. Yeah, performed at. Yeah, how was that? That's 
weird to hear. Yeah, right. Um, I got there. Uh, I, the thing that was nice about it was I had the, and this is going to be a testament to my stupidity with <laughs> my obsessions, but I had the day free before it. Uh, I got here. I got to New York to my apartment from D.C. from a weekend of shows, and I had the whole day to myself. I slept in a little bit, and then I put on uh, Dead Ahead, The mm-hmm. Grateful Dead at Radio City Music Hall. Yeah. And just to watch them on that stage and knowing that I was going to go on that stage that night, I got super emotional. Wow. And I, went, I, I changed my outfit 3,000 times and I ended up you wearing putting the, extra pressure on yourself? Totally, doing dude. That? I took 100 <laughs> shits that I didn't have to take. I drank more coffee than I had to. I was just bored. I yeah. took an extra shower. Sure. Because I was anxious. Yep. And not nervous, but I just wanted to get there. Yeah. And uh, I ended up it's putting It's hollowed on, ground. There's no, yeah. there's no other way to put it. And then I get there and it's like I get to enter through the... The, the stage entrance, yep. the little side door. I love you're not taking any step for granted going no. into this. I no. Mean, you know, you know. And you know, it's like these weird little miracles. Like I drove into the city mm-hmm. from Queens and there's a spot right in the middle. And there's never a parking spot near Radio City. There's a spot like right in front of the door. So I'm like parked right in. <laughs> I, I almost, every time I, that happens in the city, I'm like, this is too good to be true. It's going to be gone <laughs> yeah, when I come right, out here. Totally. This, I'm not reading a sign, yeah. right? It's going to be like, like National Lampoon's vacation. <laughs> like someone's taking your hubcaps. Uh-huh. So I, um, I go in and I put my stuff in one of the dressing rooms and then I take a beat and look around the dressing rooms and I'm like, the Rockettes, like, you know, we're all every year from how many years back when I was two, three, four, five, six, I used to come here and see this shit. They were up here getting ready. Uh, all the musicians and everyone that's played here have been the Jerry smoke a joint back here, you know, like whatever. So I went, met up with one of the, the guys on from the Jokers tour. I opened for the Impractical Jokers mm-hmm. there. And he's like, let me show you the stage. And the cre- sold out show for those guys, right? Yeah, they, they're yeah. following. It's Third no of three. Joke. Yeah. And they were, uh, the crew was setting up the stage mm-hmm. and they were talking to me, but I kind of was like blown away by like the looking at the room with the lights on. And just, I just went to Wilco, what, two months ago there? Yeah, yeah. And I was looking at my seats, and I was like, man, like... Yeah. Deep up in the mezzanine, I've To see I it from yeah. that was like, that's always wild. Yeah. Because like, I've it's gone to big, shows there. It's a spacious room, too. It really it's, is. Yeah. It's beautiful. And yeah. they drape the curtains with this old machine. And I was more fascinated with, like, the looking around at where the hell I was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, everyone else was kind of hanging out and talking and... The guys showed up, and I said hello to them. But I just, I had to help one of the photographers out. Uh, so I went on the marquee. I stood on the marquee. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Well, he went across the street and took pictures. Nice. So there's like, I have some pictures of me like standing on the marquee. That's fantastic. Which is amazing. Yep. I go on stage, you know, uh, I get announced, and there's Are just you this, leading off? Yeah, yeah I you open up get, the yeah. show. Yep. So I did, like, uh, this really great woman that works with the show announced me from the stage. Mm-hmm. And then I went out, she gave me a big hug. I did my set. Yeah. And, uh, about, I set my watch. My, I have one of those Fitbits because it has a buzzer on it. Mm-hmm. So at like, if I'm doing 15, I set it for 13 mm-hmm. to give myself a little two minute warning shock. So I know when to get off stage. Yeah. And it hit me and I was in a joke that got a big laugh. Yeah. And for the last two minutes, I kind of, Told myself, like, enjoy this, dude. Like, wow. this might be the one and only time that you're ever on this stage. And it's a cool way I, to look I at it. Ended it big. I got a nice laugh. I said, everybody, it's an absolute honor to be yeah. here. Thank you so much. And the crowd gave me a big applause. And I walked off stage to the four guys from the show 
like in, with open arms. Amazing. They give me a big hug, and they're yeah. like, "You killed it! So proud of you!" Wow. And that was like a, Congrats, a very man. special. I had to hold it together, and then yeah. when they went on stage, I kind of walked off to the side and let the emotions kind of. But yeah. it was it was it was New let York me, City, man. Yeah, you know? no. I mean, that's the big thing. You, comedy's not easy. Yep. And 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 there's so many things that doing it ten years. Looking back, it's like yeah. I mean, it's it's all about the people. You get by with a little help from your friends. Yep. I mean, really, that's what it is. Yeah. You could be the funniest person in the world, and it might not work for you. It could, like, you could be the most unfunny person in the world, and you may get everything handed to you. There's really no, like, there's no rhyme or reason to this, yeah. you know? Um, but it's people like the Jokers and other comics mm-hmm. that I know where you get opportunities, and you shine when that thing is handed to you, mm-hmm. and you are gracious, and you treat it with the respect it deserves and then you hope for more yeah and luckily very very luckily i've been i keep getting given these gifts and i'm very honored to uh hey, you deserve it too you know i mean man. i know i love i love your gracious humble attitude but there's a lot of talent and there's a lot of work and i know that that, that uh yeah that you really lean into it which is amazing so you mentioned 10 years you've been doing it 10 years that means you started when you were about 30 yeah so it yeah. was, what was the life change there? What were you doing prior, and, and what got you into comedy? Well, I got... I always loved comedy, and I always loved... I, I grew up with a very funny grandfather and a very funny dad, and they both kind of had a very different style, and I didn't understand them much, but I understood the timing, and I understood leaving someone laughing when you walk away from a conversation, and that that kind of like joyous when you turn your back from someone and they're like, that guy's fucking great. Yeah. To me, that's like, that's a win. Yep. And, and I, I always thought that, and I would always kind of like watch after my grandfather walked away from someone, like they would be like, Oh, that dude's it's bill, man. Yeah. He's great. You know? And I, I grew up watching like, that. Grand, granddad's cool. Yeah, man. man look you at know, him. look at him work this room. Yeah. And, and I always loved comedy and I always loved to stand up yeah. and it was there for me at weird times and hard times. And, mm-hmm. I went through a pretty pretty intense breakup. I was engaged to be married, broke it off, moved out to Colorado, and really hit it hard. I was partying like crazy and uh, broke my arm snowboarding and then came back to the East Coast and sort of, I was like 28 to get surgery to you put broke my your arm, arm back bad. together. I could, you have a short sleeve. Yeah, I snapped on my now. humerus there's, bone. There's, there's a mean scar. Yeah, it's wow. bad. Yep. But I think it saved my life. Yeah. Because I was doing a job I hated. Okay. I was hanging out with people I sh- didn't, not, not for any fault of theirs, but it was sure. just like I was using it as a, I was running from myself or whatever, yeah. you know, and uh, to be honest. And uh, I don't know when it would have stopped, really. So I lived a life and I was excited to, see what was next but I came home I had surgery while I was here I started like writing a lot and listening to comedy and some of that stuff and it helped me through it I moved back to Colorado got rid of all my stuff and then I decided to like come back east for good I went on a date the worst date of my life at Carol uh, in Manhattan with this girl she was she was brutal Mm -hmm. And I walked by a comedy club. And I was like, let's go in there so I don't have to talk to you anymore, you know? And uh, that's one good thing about comedy clubs is you can't talk. So yeah. if you're on a bad date, find the closest comedy <laughs> club and uh, let the comics do the work for you. But I got in there, and I just, like, I've been to comedy clubs before many times. 
live stand-up shows. But this time it like was just it clicked where I was like, huh. I was watching the opening act and I'm like, I want to do this. Like I, I'd, I'd like to try my hand at this. And I remember seeing a sign on the wall that was like new talent night, uh, you know, like carolines.com or whatever. And I asked one of the servers, I was like, what's the deal with the, the new talent night? And they were like, I'm like, can anybody do it? And they were like, yeah, nope, just sign up and you, you pay for a course and so on. And I did it. And, uh, how'd that go? I went to, I took the train down from Connecticut yeah. every Sunday for like eight weeks. And the wow. first week I came down, I did no preparation. I thought I was going to be the funniest guy in the world. Cause <laughs> I was the funniest sales guy. I was the funniest yeah. group. My, my friends are all hilarious yeah. and yeah. whatever, but I was always kind of like the, you know, goof. And I came in and, uh, the woman who ran the course was like, you're very like, you got like charisma or whatever, uh-huh. but like, don't waste my time if you're not going to do the work. Like, if you're going to come here, write material. Yeah. Go home and make a list of things that that have affected you in some way. Like, like go make like make a list that says like I am blank 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 blank, and fill it out. I found that today looking in that folder, and um, it was the list of things that hurt me. And I talked about my broken engagement. I talked about my dad and I talked about all these other things and I went back the next week with five minutes or so of like material, the, the raw parts the first trimester of a five minute set. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she was like, way to go, you know, yeah. and the other classmates and we all helped each other out. And it was, I think I might be the only one still doing stand up out of the class, but it was really neat that we all went through it together. And she did, you don't learn how to be funny in a class. She teaches you, here's the mic stand. Here's mm-hmm. how you take the mic out of the stand. Yep. You put the stand back here. You walk a little bit, and here's the, you know, try to trim the fat from your jokes. Yeah. And Amazing woman. And uh, I did the graduation course, and I did the, the, the final thing was a, a show at Caroline's on a Sunday night, sold-out room because you invite all your friends, and they have to pay the cover and their two-drink minimum and whatever, and I had like 20, 30 friends there. And my other people in the class had like 20, 30 friends there. And everybody went, and the crowd was so supportive. And I remember standing on the side of the stage. They're your, they're your friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember standing on the yep. side of the stage, and yeah. I was like, Daryl Hammond from SNL did like a guest spot on that show. That's awesome. And I remember being yeah. like, Jesus Christ. Now, weirdly, you can go and do guest spot. Like, yeah, I can yeah. go do a guest spot on that. But at the time, you're like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, and, um, I went up and I did my set, and I don't remember doing it, mm-hmm. but I remember getting off stage being like, "Well, this is I this, this is, is what this is this what is I'm it. doing now." Wow, that's cool. This is what I'm doing yeah. now, and I remember <laughs> I had such a dumb like the hippie version of like a Mary Tyler Moore uh-huh. moment where like you know she runs out in the street and throws her hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like I like ran in the middle of like 49th and Broadway and lit a joint. <laughs> And I was like, this is my city now. Like, I'm fucking a biggie or something. It's fucking stupid. Oh but God. you know what was hilarious was that, like, the, the, the vibe at that night and the moment. And my friends were like, my, my siblings, mm-hmm. they were like, dude, you were, that was fantastic. It, it's like you've been doing it for, and, and I thought, dude, comedy is a walk in the park. Yeah. 
and I, saw, I went to an open mic like a couple days later and did that same five minutes like I was going to murder, so and I got fucking crickets, yeah. dude. People walked out. They're like, look, yeah. this fucking happened. Yeah, I was going to say, this, this is happening and, too and easy. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, this was definitely too easy. Yeah. And then I look back and realize, well, because it was friends and you family in, in the place, crowd. Which is good. I'm cl- you know, that's really great that I that started so. that way. Yeah, I think exactly. so. You hear about some people who... Their first time going up. It's almost like that open mic was really my first time going yeah. up where you eat shit. Yep. And then you got to start at the bottom and just claw your way. It's, you get humbled right away. Yeah. And then, then you're like, wow, I got to work for this. Yeah. I got to learn. It's yeah. very weird because like the woman who runs the course invited me back for the next Sunday to do a spot on the next week's show, which I was like, cool. This is how it starts. And I thought such a naive idiot comic that I had to go in with a brand new five minutes. I thought that I had yeah. to write a brand new five minutes for every single you, time I was offered. Did you assume all comedians were doing that at the time? I assumed yeah. that it was like, I, I assumed if I couldn't do it, then I, was, I w- wasn't good. So basically, like, I beat the fuck out of myself all week to try to write five brand new minutes, new thing, and yep. it was complete and utter garbage. Yeah. And I went up, and I ate it, and she was on the side going like, what? And right when I saw that, I'm like, uh, and I didn't think to go back to my old stuff yeah. because so I just yeah, went she and was rambled like, she for was five like, Why minutes. aren't you working that that bit you out Dude, bit out that you had before? Yeah, I got off stage and I took my water bottle and I threw it against the wall of a club uh-huh. and she was like, "Get in here!" And she like pulled me in the green room <laughs> and she goes, "The fuck are you doing?" Yeah. And I'm like, "I I, I did like I had to th- my this new five minutes." And she's like, "New five minutes." She goes, "You you just did your first set ever." <laughs> Seven days ago. Like, what? It, you don't write a new... And I'm yeah. like, oh, I can use that old yeah. stuff? And she goes, old stuff? She's like, people are doing their 25-year-old jokes. I'm like, they're like... And I had no idea. Yeah. I had no yeah. clue. I was so naive. And that and I would like... We laughed about it. Yeah, totally. And I was able to like... So okay. many learning lessons uh, in those early days. And I just... I love what you said. I mean, if you think about it, a broken bone and a bad date kind of like slid you into this comedic world. Yeah, dude, that, it's then, so and true. You and a, and a horrible these, breakup. Yeah, I mean, a breakup that like devastated. Yeah, me. You, you were crushed. Oh, was, it's amazing. I mean, I've, I've been there. It's amazing how uh, uh, awful. I mean, a friendships got divided. Yeah, like yeah. there was, it was a bad, bad thing, and I felt completely alone. Yep. And uh, I was listening to a lot of Wilco <laughs> and the song Hummingbird. Yep. Really, one day it just hit me where it was like this song sounds like the soundtrack of my life, you know, yeah. like heading out to the great Southwest to forget her and yeah. all this stuff. And I was like, Eesh, this is, oh, I'm, a, I'm a Wilco cliche. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. I'm an indie rock <laughs> fucking character. Nope. But then it's, it's, it, it, it just, I got off stage and I went back to, I had some, whatever, some day job. And I remember spending the entire day going like, okay, what in my life is going to get in the way of me doing comedy? Yeah. And I have to remove it from my life. And I did. I, I cut all of it. I took all like weights and, and just snipped them and figured out how to rearrange my entire life to do stand up comedy. From yeah. Googling comedy clubs in state by state and making a spreadsheet and cold calling them to like getting a headshot and making a folder and literally driving from all around New England. And just like going during daytime hours and handing them like with a CD of my set at Caroline's, my first ever set I was giving to clubs to be like, can you book me? And people were like, no one fucking does this, you idiot. (laughs) Just email us, you know, but I had to learn by failing. Yeah, sure. And uh, 
Went to the, I was living in Connecticut. I went to Joker's Wild on Worcester Street, knocked on the door. And this guy, Pat, my first comedy friend, he was managing there. And he's like, what's up? And I'm like, I do comedy now. And he was like, who fucking cares? Like, he's like, great, you know? Like, they were going to be like, oh, we've been waiting for you. Like an idiot. <laughs> I knew that was coming, Mike. This Hi, is I the day. Uh, I was, uh, the muse told me to come. But uh, he was like, come back Wednesday. We have open mics. And it was so cool because it was like, I met, now here's all my people. Like, yeah. I, I met a whole new world of people. And we all... We're scared, and we were all going up for some of us for the first time in that room, or some of us for the tenth time, and everyone was kind of like, you figured out the hierarchy, mm-hmm. and the, oh, that guy's been doing it three years, yep. that guy's whatever, and it was just like, oh, wow, like, I'm home. Yeah. And it's, it was just the most wonderful experience. I feel like, you know how, like, when you fall in love, you're like, I can't remember life before her? Yeah, exactly. That's, That's exactly it. how yeah. I felt with comedy. I was like, I don't remember what will thing, and it, I feel like it's like... 2.0 or yep. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wild, man. Really fucking insane. Yeah, that's ten wonderful. Ten years ago. Ten years. It's been a wild, wild ten years. Let's talk about your comedy, though, exactly, content-wise, because okay. uh, I've seen you now, and I like, because, you know, the fact that I became your friend uh, fortuitously, I get to hear you sometimes talking about your bits, and, you know, this is sure. what I'm thinking about, and just, I love, um, I love, uh, one of the reasons I even started Across the Margin is to find, you know, a place where I could do a lot of honest, vulnerable writing. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of people who want to talk about real life stories and be honest about the human condition and just, you know, kind of, uh, we're a mess in a lot of, a lot of, a lot of wonderful ways, I believe that aren't celebrated and hitting closets and, and your comedy is vulnerable. It's honest. It's, uh, it's, Thanks. I mean, are you, um, is that, I mean, you're reaching deep within when you're, when you're crafting your... Can you walk us into kind of, you know, well, when you're when building what you talk about on stage? Um, I think that I've always wanted to uh, be at a point where I can um, just be completely transparent in life, really. I mean, I think that we're... You said it perfect. We're all dented cans, you know? And I think that... Um, you get to a point, a point with comedy where you, you have the jokes that work. You have the setup bang, like mathematically, rhythmically, like musically. They're going to make people laugh. There's a word in there. There's a thing. And you keep those in your back pocket for when you need them. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're a comic that wants to grow, you s- use them sparingly for right after you bomb. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and you have to throw it out there sometimes. And, Need the big you know, guns now. Yeah, you got to like throw it out there and not be scared to fail because, yeah. and that's the hard part. It's like you got to give yourself permission to fail. But also, you know, like I, I, I will throw out a broad topic that I want to, you know, it's like an MLA format where you throw the thesis, mm-hmm. point one, point two, point three conclusion. Yeah. Yep. Like if I wanted to like, write a joke about a topic and then do three jokes to reinforce the topic and then wrap it up with a nice tag at the end or something. That's kind of how I look at it where I'll throw something out and then I'll wait for, and by wait, I mean milliseconds, not minutes. Yeah. You don't have that time. No, No. I wait milliseconds for someone to like react. Yeah. So if I go like, you know, anybody have a brain that hates them? That's like my kind of cute way of being like I'm riddled with anxiety. And I hear claps or I see people perk up. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm like, all right, it's relatable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's some stuff that I think is A lot hilarious. of your bits are very relatable to me. Especially. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. I find now more and more as I'm doing this that, like, you know, maybe comedy can help. And that's yeah. what I'm trying to get to. But I've been... Um, there's a lot of things that go into, like, what do I want to talk about on stage? And I think that a lot of it has to do with... I want to... I'm very paranoid about ever... St- and it's parallel thought. It's not stealing. There are topics that are done to death. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have, I have, I can watch a, a commercial about pharmaceutical drugs, mm-hmm. and I think something is hilarious about it. But I have to assume that somewhere in this country, someone's doing a joke about pharmaceutical drugs. Yeah. No one is doing a joke about my father. Yeah. No one's doing a joke yeah, about true. my breakup yeah. or my, you know. Um, t- gaps in my teeth or whatever the fuck it may be. So it's like, I want it to be so autobiographical that like, it's, it's, it's a, it's like a oral history that I'm building and crafting. And it's something that I know that no one else is doing. So there's a certain level of like, I want to be an individual. Yeah. The personal aspect makes it just Uniquely, completely you. Yeah. No way it can. Yeah, I hear exactly and, what you're saying. And I saying. find wow, that's that, cool. but the thing is, some of the jokes that I have that hit the hardest are about ancestry tests or about yeah. ghosts that <laughs> yeah. are hipsters and about like, oh, I love the you know, quitting cigarettes yeah. or whatever, you know? And it's yeah. like, I f- get frustrated when I have, I quit cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And that was something that some people can't do. Yeah. So I get frustrated with myself it's if I only have... one of the things I'm most proud of myself for. One easy joke, you know oh, what yeah, I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, I could go deeper. Yep. What about, like, how it felt quitting? Mm-hmm. What about, like, you know, when I smoked? Yep. So it's like, sometimes you almost have to, like, interview yourself to, like, yeah. go deeper. And it's nice when you have That's, a friend where you can kind of, yeah. you know, bounce shit back and forth. It shows, from all you're discussing right here, you, you show... Um, and this is something I felt when I first saw you perform... Uh, whole bunch of bravery and especially that night you performed you went out there and uh you could tell you were pushing the limits you wanted to take do a longer set i believe you were saying Mm -hmm. and at the end you were just taking questions and really spitballing and it it, it felt really really brave and you were really i mean it it got personal and just i i love you wearing it on your sleeve i don't really have a question here but i just no i I appreciate really really it just it felt Uh, it felt personal and it felt real i really think that it has a lot to do with the music that I like and the people that I like and the, and the, it, it doesn't have to have a format. It, it can be free flowing as long as there's this one weird, dumb thing that this old hack of a comic who I don't even know if he's real. Maybe it was like the ghost of comedy <laughs> told me in Reno, Nevada. And I'm sitting there doing, I was, I was doing sets and I was starting off mean for some reason. I had a joke about, Boots and if a girl wears the boot and their knee meat is hanging over the side of the oh, boot God, like Michael. a melted ice cream cone, like <laughs> yeah. it's not sexy or whatever, yeah. juicy on the butt of the pants, dumb hacky garbage, <laughs> rookie shit. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, like, how come these people don't like me? How come, like, and I'm writing in my notebook and I'm circling stuff and I'm moving it around. And this old dude walks over and he goes, You gotta relax, man. He goes, this, These people are never gonna be in a room together ever again. He goes, this This moment's never, it's just, you made tonight a little more enjoyable than today, and they're going to forget about it tomorrow. Like, it's not a big, again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Which yeah. has been become like my mantra absolutely. in life, and it's very freeing. It's, I was just going to say the word but, freeing. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's like wild to, every now and then I always think about like, 
I even think about that at concerts. I'm like, this moment, us sitting here. Yeah. Like, well, we'll be here together again. Yeah. But it's like, this, these people will never be in a room together oh, ever again. We're not going to experience this collectively. Right. Again. So it's no like, way. why not just yeah. make it whatever it's going to be? Yeah. Or let it be what it's going to be and know that I'm in control yeah. of it. In yeah. what I need to be control sure. of. Sure. And I can also be free to release control to the crowd and let them ask me. I love questions. Yeah, that was, like that was a really, really, really that cool That, to part. me, is something that's very, like, I can learn what my... I only know the jokes from my perspective mm-hmm. because I'm the one that wrote them and I'm the one that's saying yeah. them. It's kind of cool to hear back. Yeah. Well, what do you mean when you say... Or, you know, why didn't you do this? And it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, yeah, it I, sounds like you're open to, like, examining yourself further yeah. in that process. You're like, wow, that, like you were just saying, that's a great question. And then all of a sudden you're... I mean, it seems like a lot of, of this, and in, in I think this is beautiful. I mean, not only is your, you work on your craft and everything, but you're finding kind of like a healing or growing way, whether, you know, for yourself personally or even to help others in the crowd as well. But it's just... And I know we've also talked a lot, me and you, about our uh, anxiety. Yeah. And I just always think about, uh, <laughs> you know, there's that old thing, like what makes people more anxious than getting in front of other people. But I, I almost see this for you as uh, this is, this is, is this cathartic? I feel I'm, like it switched. I feel like yeah, um, I get I'm that. less comfortable off stage now. Wow. Cool. Like the minute I get on stage and the minute I grab a microphone, I'm I'm writing about this right yeah. now. I'm writing about like how I'm a walking contradiction. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And it's fine. I'm not like putting myself down. It's more yeah. of just like accepting your warts. Yep. But I'm more comfortable. I'm less awkward on stage than I am off. And I was always someone who could handle a social I never had fears of social interaction. Yeah. I was the one that would go up and flirt with a girl. Yeah. I was the one that would I did sales. I did yep. teaching. Like I was I didn't have a prop like if if we were renting a car and we needed an SUV, I would run and be like the guy who was like trying to grift, you know, an upgrade for free at the Alamo thing. But it just never mattered to me. And then you get to a point where it's like, am I believing what I'm saying? Am I like, am I like, is what I'm saying stuff that I can like stand behind? And stuff that I can be proud of and stuff Mm -hmm. that I can like when someone comes up to me and goes, I'm not good at accepting praise or accepting any gifts or anything like that. And when people would come up during earlier material and be like, dude, that shit was great. I kind of felt like Uh, we could all do better. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, you know, you can have a better taste and I could be a better comic. (laughs) But it was just this more of like kind of, you know, thanks, but shut up. I'm better than that. And you know what? You are too. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. you're a bad judge of me. (laughs) But now it's getting to a point where more of everything I, you know, I I, I try to start most of my jokes in the first person Mm -hmm. where I or my or whatever. and And I make it about me. And I learned this from the impractical jokers just by observing. And this might be the first time I ever really verbalized it or vocalized it, but they have figured out a way to make it about them. The butt of the joke is always them. No one gets hurt with these, the, the, the pranks they pull or whatever you want to call it, the challenges. With my comedy, I always want it to be about me. I don't ever want to hurt anybody. And I don't ever want to like go out there with like the motive of like, putting down you know some people have a hard time making political jokes i don't because i 
don't believe in either side. I don't believe in sides. I believe in people and like humanity and all that. But I can very easily make fun of like Bernie and Elizabeth Warren arguing about a handshake and, and, and imitate that. And then in the next sentence, make fun of Trump because it's I'm right down the middle. Do you know what I mean? And I, I never really, and I don't know, I don't think I take that as a, do it as a, maybe in 10 years I'll look back and be like, that was a cop out, hopefully, because it'll show some growth. But mm-hmm. I just really, uh, I like to make it about how I feel. And yeah. I hope that you, it helps, or I hope that maybe it gives you a little bit of a break from this fucking garbage world. Progress, we're in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Escapism. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's what we go in there for, man. We, we want to see your sure problems. So. We want to see that. Um, ten years in, mm-hmm. I'm really curious. I mean, as someone who writes a bunch here, here and there, um, you know, I feel like once I started doing that more and more, I'm walking around the world, looking at it a little different. Looking, you know, I'm not not so much looking for stories, but um, you know, just always harvesting ideas. Ten years into your comedy, um, kind of your, your mind and the, your outlook has to have changed moving around it. I mean, yeah, are you walking around? Anything. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't what enjoy the anything I at mean, all. You got to be like walking around, like, you know, <laughs> while looking at something. Wow, that's funny. Does your mind all of a sudden start, you know, turning into, yeah. like, does it always work now? Like what's, it's what's going on in your light? brain? Yeah. Man. Oh, you don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want a hundred <laughs> monkeys with a hundred typewriters. <laughs> you don't want in here. No, you know what it is? It's, it's wild just, though. You know, it is an artist's mind walking around because you're, you're, you're crafting yeah. with, with each step sometimes. I think that, and I have a weird, like, uh, I have a brain where, imagine holding a hundred balloons, right? And one gets loose. And you chase that one, and you let the other 99 go. That's yeah. my head. That's it? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I have awful <laughs> attention problems, and I get... I'm easily disappointed by people. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I, I feel validated when someone lets me down. I can go, see, I knew yeah, I shouldn't I knew, have trusted you. I knew that was you. coming, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's to me is something that... And I think it's a flaw in my character, but I'm getting better at it. Yeah. Um, but I think that... It yeah, takes work. People I, are horrible. People, are, people suck. <laughs> people. I look at, but I'm also jealous of. But people idiots. are great too. Yeah. I'm jealous of idiots that, like, yeah. I really wish I was just a just like a heartless buffoon. I wish yeah. I could just go through the life like, man, eh, whatever. Happy like, clocking in and clocking out, yeah, going home, putting that, on the game. Sure, <laughs> yeah, or people that like you know, like don't hold a door, or you know, oh, people who, have who no are care. just yeah, yeah, they're just like yeah, they're just oblivious to anyone else's. I'm so empathetic yeah. and so compassionate and so like mother hen in some ways where it's like if you added one person to our hang right now, yeah. I would be like, so you guys getting along? Like, are yeah. we friends? Is this all good? Can you? And I, cause I want so bad for everyone to be happy. I'll even walk. I have um walking down the sidewalk in New York. I'm, you know, I should be just enjoying the music I'm listening to or the sights. I'm making sure that I'm in like no one's way. Yeah. And like not causing any problems. You know, if I'm on my phone a little too much, I'll, I'll make sure to, Pull off to the side. I'm just like, sure. I don't want to be that person. And like, yeah. I'm always well, thinking about everyone else's yeah. experience on this planet. Because you're a good person. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of horrible people. Yeah. And I think that uh, here's the thing with anxiety. Mm-hmm. And this is an analogy that I've been kind of, I wrote in my notebook and I'm trying to hash it out for a bit. But like anxiety is like, you know, you're, you are a house, right? And, and all of a sudden you see a termite. And that's your first, like, I have anxiety. So that, that anxiety is a termite. You realize that there's not one termite. You're fucking infested with termites. <laughs> that's just so a sign like, of what's ben- yeah, beneath what's the surface. Yeah. yeah. So, like, what's in the beams and the posts yeah. is just hollow. 
you know, so how, how close are you to just completely crumbling? And I think when you notice your, you know, your termites, you kind of have to like, uh, you know, get an exterminator in there, microdosing mushrooms or meditation <laughs> yeah, or whatever yeah. it may be. And you uh, kind of clean house mm-hmm. and you restructure and resupport the place and be like, all right, yeah, everything's going to be fine. But I think that once you dive like into it, once you get into yourself and once you think about like you try to kill ego and you try to like get more into how do I affect other people, what can bring like, you know, all of us happiness or a smile and it's not some hokey garbage, you be honest and you realize like, yeah, I'm a mess, but it's yeah. like, I, you got to love the mess, yeah, you know? And that's the thing that I'm trying to strive towards in all aspects of my life. Things are deeper now. Yep. Things aren't, I was never like kind of a face value person. Mm-hmm. I could always tell who was legit yep. and who wasn't. And I don't think that goes away. Yeah. And I think that for me now, it's more of like everything I look at and, and more, now more than ever, we see phony. It's always yeah. been there. Yeah, it's, it's always it's, been it's, there. It's but more we easily see exposed it now. a little bit. Fuck I mean, yeah. I see so much. I see the strength. I see strength and vulnerability. I admire honesty and vulnerability as opposed to uh, uh, the the faux strength and everything like that. I mean, I think that's 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 where the weakness lies, and that's the stuff I don't admire. Dude, I did sales for a while, right? And it's amazing how people who do sales are so scared to say, "I don't know." Because the minute you have somebody on the line to potentially buy from you, mm-hmm. you don't want to let them down. Mm-hmm. So they're operating from a place of panic and fear. And I remember, <laughs> I remember one time I went on like a sales call, a little buzzed. And, uh, and there was this guy <laughs> who Mikey was... out there drinking and doing sales calls. There was calls. this guy who was... Yeah, I, I didn't drive. <laughs> yeah. And I was asking... This guy was asking me questions and I went, I don't know. Like I, I really, I yeah. have no idea what the answer is, but I'm going to find out. And he's like, you know what? Like, no one ever says yeah. they don't know. Like, I trust that you're going to do this. Like, let's do this deal. And it was such a shocker. Yeah. And it, it wasn't that cut and dry. I'm trimming a lot of garbage sure. from it. But, like, saying you don't know, like, admitting that you don't Another know everything thing is, uh, is, like, so freeing. Freeing, exactly. And it just shows that the other person is a human. And it actually can, can um, you know, it invokes trust too but also yeah. saying I'm um, something I I like being wrong meaning that so many people uh, put up this front and try to pretend they they know certain things like when when I'm wrong in a conversation it's an opportunity to learn I'm like wait 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 I'm definitely off here can you teach me yeah and then th- I'm growing right there from being wrong and so, people look at you like what the fuck is wrong with yeah, you why are you okay with being <laughs> wrong? wrong I'm like this is this is an opportunity for me yeah. to get better and you know what I'm gonna be right next time I kind of, lo- <laughs> I kind of love having that like uh, freedom where it's kind of like, who cares what yeah. you think? Like it doesn't. But then it's it, again like a walking contradiction. I do stand up comedy yep. where I need instant gratification. Sure. I need it. Yeah. If I go up and I last night I had a set and it was I, I closed out a show, six or seven great comics, and I was the final comic on the show, and they had just got their checks and they were doing the math and you know. Basically, the show's over, and then they go, you ready for your final comic? And they bring me up, and this girl is just chatting away, chatting away. And I'm like, I hear it, and the thing that people don't understand is, like, this is the first time I'm in front, this is the first time I left the house today. This is, like, I've been dying to say these things. It's, it's medicine for me to talk into this fucking microphone, and I'm happy you're here, but I don't care about you. Like, I want you to shut up and let me do what I have to do. 
And she wouldn't stop. I didn't say that. I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she wouldn't <laughs> shut up. And then I said all that. <laughs> and I was just like, do you understand how important this is <laughs> well, to us? Do you yeah. realize what you're watching? Yeah. And I just kind of like, not fell apart. I made it funny. Yep. But it was like, she was like, Whoa. fuck. Whoa, like, man. Shit. Like, are you going to be <laughs> okay? <laughs> yeah. And uh, she started worrying about you. <laughs> but it was just that, you know, there's these yeah. moments where it's like, you know, and then you, I, I go to the next set. I had two spots last mm-hmm. night and I went to the other one. I'm like, this one has to count because the last one didn't. And you just kind of have to throw your hands in the air every now and then as like a whatever. Yeah. Like it's going to, you can't control anything. And, uh, as long as I feel like I keep growing mm-hmm. and as long as I feel like I'm making myself laugh, I have to trust myself that it'll work with the crowd. You know what I mean? Yeah. All the way deep down to like lately I've been talking about, like just last night I sat on stage for the first time. There's stuff I have written in notebooks that I'm like, I'll never say this. Yep. Now I'm starting to say it. Like if I'm at a urinal and there's a line of people waiting to go, I sometimes have to like give myself a pep talk to like get the pee into my dick and out into the. I have to be like, dude, you earn this. It's okay. Like you're, you work for a TV show. You're you're a good man. Like because I'm worried about the line behind yep. me and I don't want them to be mad at me. Just like me on the sidewalk. But yeah. I'm peeing. It's like yeah. you know, parallel parking. Yeah. If I'm if no one's parallel parking, if no one's waiting for the, uh, like for me. I could. I'm like a silver medal winner. Yeah. With parallel. I'm great. But if One-handed, there's people there, yeah, I'm doing great. Oh yeah, but if people are but there, but if there's a car waiting oh, to get by, pan, I'm like pan, bang, bang, bang. I'm like a like, you know, it's awful. Yeah. But it's just I I wrote those things in my notebook as like the most awkward moments of my yeah. daily existence. Now I'm forcing myself. It's like being a kid in a pool mm-hmm. and you're holding on to the side, and then you start to, you let go of the side of the pool, and now you're like treading water to stay afloat in the deep end and it feels scary but it's fun that to me is like that's what i want out of comedy yeah to live in that like treading in that moment it's all i want to do in comedy is just i just want to tread water the rest of my life i love it that's fantastic man that's really really cool but no and i love the way we're both so um kind of hyper uh sensitive of how we are in the world and i hate i hate it yeah you gotta be it is and but i i also think there's more it's 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 there is a group of people that feel like us. Yeah. No, I agree. And like it, I alone. mean, it's, yeah, I think it comes with things that me and you talk a lot about with, you know, finding ways to empathize with everyone. And sometimes we do take it too far, but that's all beautiful, man. And, Thanks, brother. And having you talk about this is, is really awesome. I love, um, you know, once I got to know you, uh, now I not only enjoy our times together, but I love uh, seeing you out there in the world doing really, really well. You, you know, I see you, uh, you know, opening for Artie, you know, with David Tell and everything. And, you're earning it, and you're doing it, and it's really, really special to Thank watch, you. man. I, so. I, I'm happy to have, uh, you know, comics are a great uh, group of people that uh, it's weird that I can, like, have something in common with someone who I don't even know, yeah. and I meet them, and it's like, oh, wow, we're best friends now. Mm-hmm. But there is, the community we're in mm-hmm. is such a great release because it's like you can't be so inbred and so invested in one world because you end up, you want to kill everybody. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you got to get out. And, and I'm so yeah. stoked to have friends like you and other, like, people that don't, that are creative, mm-hmm. but don't necessarily need to go on stage to do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I run Bits by You, yeah. like, and it's just fun because it's like, I know you're right, mm-hmm. and I know that you're, like, funny in your own right, but you're not comics are just like how do i take this and make it yeah 
at mine. You always want to win, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's you, like, yeah. You guys are a different breed. <laughs> Fucking weirdos, <laughs> man. Fucking bunch of weirdos. Really a bunch Amazing, of Amazing, beautiful, though, weirdos. And we need them. We, I know I've talked to you about uh, just how they're kind of like the philosophers of today. I just They're examining the human condition in a way I respect. And the way you're doing it specifically is, is tremendous. So Thank you, homeboy. Everyone, uh, check out Mike. Come back on the show sometime, please. Sure. Awesome. I'd love to talk yeah. to you more about this whole thing. I actually have a whole... List of questions uh, that I want to ask you at some point, but this is just—I just love how where we went there, and that was great. Good oh, talk, man. I hope I didn't talk too much. No, that's what—that's what you're here for. So, <laughs> thanks again for coming on. Of course, dude. And thank you, everyone out there, for taking uh, another trip with us across the margin. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.